fucking deep. I like it. These guys are jerks. Fucking deep. Bless you, boys. Young men expressing themselves. Unbelievable. Fucking deep. Put it in deep. Your agent, Mike Lute went public and said that he believes it would be mutually beneficial to trade you. Did you believe that then and do you still believe that today? Well, I'm here, aren't I? Thanks. That's the only thing I'm worried about right now. I'm not in charge of what other people are saying. Even Wayne Gretzky got traded. Like, people get traded all the time. It's, it's part of the game. It's you, you need to be aware of. Right now, I'm just worried about working hard here, being as the best player I can be and help these other guys to be at their best and that's the only thing I'm worried about right now. Put it in deep! You know, get pucks deep, putting the puck deep, put pucks in deep, just put the puck deep, getting pucks out, getting pucks deep, pucks in deep, pucks in deep, pucks deep, pucks deep, keep getting pucks deep. All right, everybody, welcome back. Pucks in Deep podcast. Josh Coleman, Adam Lesko. Episode 74. Know any 74s in the NHL, my friend? That's not a very common number. Not a very common number at all. I like those high numbers, though. There's not enough guys. Rookies. Rookies. It's training camp number. That's what that is. Training camp number. uh, Here's your jersey, son. Well, training camp number. This is not a training camp podcast. Big show lined up for you guys tonight. Remember to follow us on Twitter at Coleman42 at Let's Go Adam. And we've got a great Twitter handle joining us later on in the show. The Golden Muzzy himself, Sportsnet, fantasy guru, also host of Coast to Coast on Sirius XM, NHL Network Radio, Channel 91. Nick Alberga. Very excited. Can't We're wait. Glad to have him back. He he this guy knows everything there is to know about. And uh, great follow as well if you're uh, out on social media and oh, he Twitter. he likes to troll, boy. Likes to troll, likes to chirp. He's, oh, he's, yeah. uh, he's a hockey boy through and through. He doesn't give you the standard cliche answers, kind of like what we heard from Patrick Laine there in the, uh, in the intro. Now, he said two things. Okay, one uh, side of the spectrum it was very cliche. Uh, you know, trades happen. you got to be prepared. I'm just here for, um, you know, make myself answer. better and make the guys around me better. Well, the guys around you aren't going to be around you for much longer, Patrick, because as you alluded to so eloquently, even Wayne Gretzky got traded. So is he comparing himself to Wayne or is he just kind of saying that anyone can be moved? No, it's a, a go-to, like anybody can move. I guess. I don't think he's the first to say that and certainly not the last. Um, interesting situation going on there. I'm not all that surprised given that I'm not knocking Winnipeg, but let's be honest here. Superstar players are usually looking for bigger markets, bigger stages to play on. Warmer climates. And I know that, you know, the Winnipeg Jets didn't have the greatest of seasons last year either. So I'm sure he sees that as well. Um, Not an easy guy to move though. Uh, You know, you look at that cap pick he's carrying, uh, you know, making 6.7, Oh, that's, that's fine. I wouldn't go in this there. climate though. In this economy, Josh. Yeah, but dude, he is—he's just bona fide. He gets—is he though? Plus thirty in his sleep. Though. What? What are you gonna get? I guess that maybe that's my concern. If I'm an NHL GM looking at Patrick Line, 
which line A am I getting? Am I getting last year line A? Am I getting the first half of previous season line A where he scored 30 goals by December and then tapered off? It's an interesting question. I mean, I... I it's I'm, like, what is he, right? He's being paid as a scorer. He's not being paid as the total package. Not well, he is a scorer. He's being paid 10 million or anything. So I think we can hone in on him being a sniper. Yes. And maybe there's more there, and there's probably a lot there to be desired. But I just think in this current climate, I mean, look how inactive the trade market was and the transaction market just in the lead up to the announcement of return to play. There was nothing. Dead zone. You know, and it's hard to imagine that it's, there's going to be a flurry of movement. You know, I mean, I guess you might see some isolated trades for guys that are disgruntled and Patrick Laine fits that criteria perfectly. So, mm-hmm. but I mean, what are you going to do? I mean, you might, you're definitely going to lose a trade. Okay. Is there a way to win this it, trade? I guess there's two things here. It's it's a it's not a sell high situation, as I said. He's coming off suspect seasons for what you would expect from a guy who what did he score forty when he came in the league? So yeah, you you have high expectations as far as offensive output goes, and you're also in a situation where you're up against it. Whenever when the whole NHL knows that you basically want out, and they know that player wants out, they're not they're not throwing you life rafts. As yeah, they always say. Yeah, and it's always strange. Like they always say, where there's smoke, there's fire, right? And there's a lot of fire right now surrounding the situation. My question is, and as it relates to my question to you about losing the trade, I mean, do you have to look within Canada to make sure that you don't lose the trade as badly as you're definitely going to lose the trade if you have to try and send him across the border and they won't have him for two weeks. Right. So that's an added hurdle. Oh, right for there. sure it and is. And say you're, you're bringing in guys the other way, same kind of hurdle. Same so hurdle. Your team is hurting and then yeah. they're also hurting for another 14 days. The team that is acquiring line A better be really fucking good because mm-hmm. they're not going to be too happy about having to wait for him for 14 days. So I don't know. It's a really, really tentative situation. I don't see many of the other Canadian teams necessarily being in a position to acquire the 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 needs mm-hmm. of Patrick Laine, but I mean, it's uh, I, I'm really looking forward to it, man. I think it's going to be a real interesting story to follow. If anybody's going to take a healthy run at um, the Ottawa Senators, <laughs> I know I was thinking they're, it. They're, they're probably the only ones with the cap space of all the teams in Canada, for one. Uh, yep, that, that's the problem with with these guys. You you must really want out because let's be honest, you're not getting traded to a contender because none of them have cap space. You would have to have a lot of maneuvering and that just complicates the deal even further yes so what's your impression though of what that does to the jets dressing room like how do you think how do you think they're going to feel going this season with their who's supposed to be one of their superstars having a you know a chip on his shoulder in a bad way or in a bad way because you know i'm I'm of the opinion that i don't give a fuck of his attitude if he shows up and scores 40 i don't care yeah Absolutely. He can be disgruntled all he wants if he performs. That's fine by me, and I'm sure it's fine by his coach. Yeah, I mean, Kate, you want, uh, we're, it's the Pucks and D podcast. All you get is honest, open-mindedness, or sometimes closed-mindedness, opinion. So I was going to say, here's my honest opinion, my uneducated opinion. I don't know if it can get much worse, to be honest with you. I have always felt, uh, and I mean, you can call this biased if you want because of the whole Matthews line A comparison when they were being drafted. I'm glad that's not a comparison anymore. Yeah. (laughs) I have always felt that Patrick Laine, the player, is there for Patrick Laine, the player, 
first and foremost. Right. That's my honest, you un- see him as uneducated less of a, opinion. Less of a less team, of a team guy, guy and more of a me guy. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I don't mean to speak badly about him as a person. I'm sure he's a great guy. Um, you know, I, I do enjoy watching him play. He snaps the puck just as great as anybody in the league. But when it comes right down to, you know, the team dinners and the hotel life and being buddies and chums. Uh, yeah. He's playing yeah. Fortnite. Yeah. And, and you know what? Let's go. I called it my uneducated opinion, but come on. We've talked about this in the past. He's getting his fucking Xbox taken away from him on the road. Yeah. That you was, know, like, so, that was something. right. So that like, maybe it's not as uneducated as I made it sound when right. I, when I started, you know, answering your question, because really he has proven to us that he might not be the most team friendly kind of guy. So I don't, again, I think that hurts his stock even more. I don't think that that's a secret. Yeah, I, I think, too, with Paul Maurice as well, I, I, I really see him being a no-bullshit kind of coach. And you know that hockey hockey culture, for lack of a better term, does not want you to accentuate your personal side, your character, or anything. They ever want to mold into this team. Buy-in. Yeah, and, yeah. and, and I, you know... It's, Which is great. That's evolving, that's changing, and I think we're seeing that probably in Toronto really mm-hmm. where we're, we're trying to strike a, some of these guys are trying to strike a balance from being their own brand, but also being a team first when it comes to the hockey on the ice. So I think that's really what's most important to his teammates at this time. But here we have another pretty shocking news about, about Dubois, who I, I think there's probably double the demand for a guy like Pierre-Luc Dubois, especially after the playoff run he had last season. And what a weird story. Cause Pierre Lebrun reports early in the morning that Dubois wants out of Columbus. So everyone's thinking trades imminent or something's going to happen. But then later that day, they announced he signs a two-year extension. But originally, so the story goes, he wanted a long-term, like, eight-year deal, would have made him Blue Jacket, highest-played player in team in franchise history. And then something soured over the course of last year, and a lot of the fingers are being pointed at the relationship between him and the coaching staff. Really? And I'm sure he also took a look at what happened around him the previous year in these guys walking away from the team, Panarin going to New York Rangers and having a blast. Yeah. You know, it seems a little less centered around success, and the story seems to be more regarding he wants a bigger stage. Well, from what I've read... And I think it was just earlier today, to be honest, might have been late last night. I don't know. The days are flowing together here. Um, what I had read was that the you're right. The initial thought was I want a long term deal, and then when it wasn't happening, it was okay. Well, then kind of like fuck you, I want out. Um, and the the best way to get out was to get a bridge, an affordable yeah, bridge for a tradable contract. Tradable and that contract. was very smart on his behalf to be like, yeah, hey, him well, and his agent for sure. I'm not going to be a holdout guy and get and get traded because, and I imagine the team might have went to him like, you, you're not signing a deal. We ain't trading you this year. You can take a lap. Yeah. And, and, and forced his hand a little bit, get him under contract, factor him into your plans this year. If the year goes to shit for the Columbus Blue Jackets, they unload him by the deadline because they could build up interest all year and wait for the, wait for the deal that they truly want. And, and they should be able to get a King's ransom for this guy. We're talking first line center. Oh, absolutely. Young guy. Two-way player. Coming off an ELC. Gritty guy. Yeah, scores. He, finishing he's, touch. He's like. a very well-rounded player. And, and I'm sure several teams are making calls on that guy. Um, well, you talked about Ottawa before. Before the deal was done, was, I said to a few of my buddies, I was like, oh, my God. If Ottawa makes a makes a play for for PLD, I, I know one player can't change your team. Yeah, but they, it's not one player. They've done lots. We're going to talk yeah, about them a bit we, later. We will, yeah. Maybe we'll talk about them right now. Who knows? But they've done quite a bit. 
Yes. Okay? And so it wouldn't just they be... They desperately need a first-line center. Exactly. And it wouldn't be just PLD, but this one player, in addition to everything that they've already done, in my opinion, Jesus Christ, let's go. They'd be right in there in the mix. I feel like they could be right there in the mix. The only if Murray thing, plays great, if Murray plays Shabbat well. is a is a, a franchise stud. But outside Shabbat, that defense is yeah, fair thin. enough. Fair enough. Well, a guy thin. like PLD helps that out too, though. Yeah, t- team defense and everything. It just I, I I had to pull up Ottawa's lines because I'm like they acquired Stepon recently, which was yeah. a good. You know, I, I'm sure you fought between one and two C. And another I don't grit. Think Norris more is ready. grit. A little more grit. Um, you know, experienced veterans. So I like I like what they're doing. I like that they finally decided that after an abysmal couple of seasons that they've decided that now's the time to spend a bit of money and and actually ice a respectable yeah. NHL hockey team. Yeah. So it's good for their fans. And uh, this is a good segue into the World Juniors because uh, who, who doesn't want to talk about Tim Stutzla? Timmy Stutzla. What I'm, I'm going to say right off the top, hands down, the best player in the tourney far, far and away. Yeah, it has to be. I watched the majority of Germany's games. They were exciting Almost, except for when Canada completely dummied them. Right. But they were exciting just to see what he could do and what he was going to do. They gave the Russians a good run for their money in the quarterfinals. Uh, yeah, they had that uh, one upset there. I mean, they, they had their best finish they've ever had. They went from being relegated to, to making it into the quarterfinals. So uh, if I'm an Auto Center fan, I'm foaming at the mouth to see this guy, especially see him live. It's unfortunate there's not going to be fans in stands. Yeah, I know. But... This guy's going to jump right into their top six. I, I'm confident in saying that. You know what's crazy too, man, is when you think about the Germans, like, you know, I don't want to put myself on the spot right now and try to rhyme you off a bunch of amazing German players. But there have been some standout German players, going back to the likes of Marco Sturm and whatnot. You know, then you get Leon Dreisaitl comes out of the country. And then now you're having Tim Stutzla come out of the country. So it's one of those things where it's like, they're not like, the Finns, okay, Finns are kind of the, not the exact opposite, but they're they're non-comparable in the sense that the Finns just produce a bunch of players that are great at hockey, all-round players, and maybe a couple of standouts. Then you have the Germans. They're not icing the greatest team all well, around, like- but they've got like an incredible superstar. So every mm-hmm. once, every few years or whatever, they're popping out like this, this top-level Top ten first, you know, first round pick, uh, elite level talent. I find that I find that almost weird. It, it's very fascinating, and and it's not as if he, you know, you hear about kids from Europe who really want to make it in hockey. They come up here and play major junior, or they play college, or something like that. I mean, this guy's playing in, in German in Dell, like in the German elite league. So yeah. for for him to be kind of German born and bred product of the system. And to be that good, ready to walk into an NHL franchise right after being drafted, is incredibly impressive. It's and very impressive. Like I said, you know, I, I know Zegers had a good tournament. I know Cousins was one of the top players in the tournament too. But the most NHL ready, and I'm not talking just NHL ready. All three of those guys are NHL ready, I think. But I, I think Stutzla is an NHL superstar waiting in the wings here. Would you draft him in fantasy? I would. I'd take a flyer on him. Maybe not in the first few no, rounds. No, of course but not. But I'd, I'd get it. I'd get in on him. What about in a keeper pool? That is where he's more appetizing. Oh, for man. Sure. Man, would it ever be interesting to see how how early some of those guys are going to go in a keeper pool? I don't want to get off on a fantasy spin. We'll talk to Nick about that later. Of course, Nick Alberga joining the show here on the Pucks and D podcast. Episode 74. Thanks for checking back in with us. Uh, tumultuous times right now. 
let's go. And I'm glad we're able to continue on with the podcast. I'm really pumped up about hockey uh, dropping the puck in six days already, oh. bro. Well, like we it's crazy. needed this. I mean, the, when the World Juniors started, I was so happy. I was like, here we are with nothing to do. Uh, you know, not even supposed to be visiting our families and doing this, and there's nowhere to go. So I was watching three games a day, prop bets, you know, picking winners. And that is the ultimate – I found the, the ultimate uh, gets compliment to the World Juniors because here you have Canada dummy and Russia six, or Germany 60 nothing. but I'm, I'm props on like four different scores or Cousins over 2.5 points, you know, like – there was just so much to keep you engaged, especially if you're one of those guys who likes to go into every period, uh, placing a few more bets, mm-hmm. you know, betting over-unders and things like that. See, so- I need to do that because I absolutely despise the blowouts. I, I, I Like, I was so bored. Like, I wish I was like you. I didn't have as much time. We, we got a hell of a lot of work done here uh, on the interior at, our, at the farmhouse here. So I didn't have even any time to enjoy any of the prelims. And when I when I was checking out the highlights and when I'm looking at the scores, I'm thinking, this is just garbage. Like, I, I, I can't get involved. Now, if I was placing wagers and shit, totally different story. Yeah. If it's 16 to nothing and I've got a bet that they can get to 20, yeah. I'm like, yeah, you know, like, yeah, it, it would be game, huge. I think the over was like eight and a half where it started paying, you know, it was plus odds. And I'm like, yeah, I don't see why not. You know, especially once they're rolling and everything. So it, it, it definitely added another element. All things considered, I had a lot of bets going too. And all things considered, I think I came up a bit like uh, at the end of the, the tournament, which I guess yeah, isn't sure. bad. I was up, you know, a few bucks or something. Yeah, well, you didn't make $8,000. You, you might have made 80 or a couple hundred bucks, you now, know, over the course of your bets. And, and the most confident bet I had was I bet put a futures bet on Canada plus 175 before the tournament, okay. which is fairly decent odds because going into the gold medal game, they were the favorites. So like you were not going to make a lot of money betting on Canada. The money was on the U S right now. It would have been an ideal opportunity for me to hedge my bets there. Yes. Throw a few bucks on the U S and be like, I'm coming out with something here either way. Nobody likes a hedger, but I didn't. And, this is Jennifer Hedger. And I had bet on a couple props that didn't pay, and I walked away with nothing from that last game, but a little bit of sour disappointment yeah. after watching them lose. And no no goals, and you can't blame Levi. No, I thought I thought Levi was strong. And I, I'm not going to blame Team Canada either. I mean, they the only the only weakness was that they weren't they didn't seem prepared and the US executed their game plan perfectly. perfectly. They came out flying, no time, no space, hard four check, clog up the neutral zone. Um, you know, the home plate, they, they kept them out of there. It was so well executed, and Canada didn't seem quite ready. They seemed and timid. They made a, Zegers made a good point. He said they haven't played a good team yet, and honestly, they hadn't. Like, fin, Finns are a good team, but not U.S., Canada good. Elite. And uh, the Russians yeah. didn't even fucking show up no. against Canada. That, they were a joke. That was disappointing. However, if that goal counts, which I think it should have, uh, if that goal counts, the offside one that was like incredibly close, which by the way, oh, which yes. by the way would have been onside mm. uh, in the NHL this season. Well, it looked like his God. toe came down on the blue. Yeah, line but he, too, so he toe picked it, yeah. but he still toe picked it a bit early. Yeah. It was still a bit early. Anyways, if that goal counts, I don't know if you saw how fired up the bench they was. They were fired up. That's, they that, were fired I'm up. I'm telling you, it's the WJC, bro. You what know a killer. it. What a, you know it. It could have been a totally was, different game. And that, the whole time you're watching, you're thinking, this game isn't over. This, this game, game isn't over, especially given what happened with Candle Asher come back 3-1 in the third period for the gold medal. I was chatting with some buddies as, as we were watching the game, and I said, you know, I'm a little disappointed 
but I'm not prepared just yet to quote unquote cheer for Russia. Cause I do at some points I kind of, like, I hope, they, I hope they, they get one or yeah, two and make a game. Let's get one here. You know, cause I, I just talked to you about that before betting eliminates that betting allows me to continue to hope that Canada gets another four or five goals, but the hockey fan in me, and I'm not much of a better. I am. I do more fantasy stuff, daily fantasy. I don't like put my bets on teams and, and whatnot, but that, that hockey fan isn't interested in seeing it be 6 nothing in the third. I'm, I'm going inside. I'm not watching the game anymore. Uh, but then they scored, and I remember I said to my buddies, I was like, uh, I wasn't yet prepared to hope for a Russia goal, but I'm not upset about it because now we go into the third with a three-up lead and anything can happen, and yeah. I can't wait. I can't wait. Instead, it was waved off. Canada ends up uh, pulling off the easy victory. I don't even remember what the final was, but they just they trounced them. Yeah, no chance. It, was, it wasn't even close. And I thought one of the – probably a, a huge disappointment for the Russians was, was the play of Askarov. Oh. Is this guy not – like I, and 11th I'm, overall. I'm going I'm to do something that I criticize people for doing, and that's taking World Junior small sample sizes and being like, this Blowing guy's a bust or this guy's a bust. <laughs> Blowing it but up. But is this guy – can we not say that he was a little bit overrated? Because he did this last year too. He – like and and Ray Ferraro said it very eloquently during the broadcast, and then once again, actually, I heard him on Spit and Chicklets podcast the following the following day. But I, I'm and they everyone was saying this, and there was memes flying around. How does a guy lose his stick that much? And I noticed it's not just the losing the stick part; it's he gets he loses his composure. And we talk about how important calmness and composure is in a goaltender. A couple of shots, a missed rebound, and he starts twitching around the net. And there were multiple times in the game against Germany in the quarterfinals where he lost the puck. And it was just a rebound that dropped in front of his pad. And he had no fucking clue where it was. Yeah, and his glove hand was very suspect. Yeah, yeah. What was it, three under? Three under the glove? Like, yeah. That's not a great goal, man. And he's an offhand goalie, too. Yeah, yeah, he's yeah. southpaw. That, that's not a great goal under the glove. Over the glove, okay, fine. Maybe I'm deep in the net. But he wasn't. He wasn't deep in the no, net. He's position. out there. He's, he's, he's challenging the shot, and the shot is just getting underneath that spot. And, you know, that's a goaltender that's not on his game. Uh, another indicator of a goaltender that's not on his game, like you said, losing the twig. Like losing the twig everywhere, everywhere. man. And not being able to catch the puck. Mm-hmm. Did you notice that? They a showed of, the replays yeah. in the warm-ups. He was trying to catch it, and it was like popping out there like like it just wouldn't go into his glove. I yeah. mean, he just, he just wasn't ready, man. But I, I want to stress what you said earlier. You can't take the World Junior performance mm-hmm. and, and, and you know say that he's going to be a super success or a super flop. But what I can tell you is – Drafting goalies is a tough gig. Yeah. And, it's a tough and that, gig. And that's I mean, why you don't see them go in the first round very often. Not very often. So, and you see, like, when you compare those two performances, okay, I understand that Levi's got a much better team in front of him, but Levi looked great all tournament. We looked the opposite of what we, how we just described Ascara. Very like, calm. Composed, yeah. calm, uh, poised, just everything you want to see in a goaltender, especially a goaltender with very little international experience, handling that pressure so well. So I'm trying to figure out is for – for Askarov, is it is it a, a, a pressure thing? Is it um, just happens during the play when he gets a little flustered because he doesn't handle a shot the way he wants? But if he's going to have any success or any chance of playing regularly in the NHL, those aspects of his game need to be sorted out. Because like I said, this is not new. We saw a bit of this from him last year as well. Well, I mean, Levi, when you look at him specifically, 212th overall, 7th round, yeah. compared to... 
11th. Yeah. 201 draft picks later. And you look at their body of work in, yes, one game. But you look at that body of work and you think, I wonder which goalie I'd want to draft based on that game. Now, you yeah. can't base it on one game. But, man, oh, man, you got Levi, Panthers draft pick, also facing off against uh, – um, excuse me, I, I was going to say former draft pick. Well, I guess it is a former draft pick, but also Florida draft pick Spencer Knight. Yes. Uh, goaltender for the United States. So the gold medal matchup, you had Panthers fans, all 14 of them were just going wild <laughs> about that. So that's great for them. Uh, but I think about Levi when I saw him play multiple times here at the Pembroke Memorial Center against the Lumber Kings. I mean, I remember saying to the guys, he looks like a shooter tutor with no holes. Yeah. That's what he looks like. Like he's just a piece of plywood in the net that doesn't move and doesn't mm-hmm. joke around and just stops pucks. Like he doesn't move. He's not overreactionary. He seems to just swallow up his rebounds. And when he doesn't, he corrals them very well. And I saw that as well in this tournament for uh, Devin Levi. A couple of times rebounds would spit out. He's very good at bringing those back in. So I'm really excited to see if that turns out to be a, maybe a goaltender of the future for the for the Florida Panthers or who knows maybe he could turn into a Justin Pogge. We'll have to well, wait and see. Let's let's hope it's not the latter because uh, <laughs> I know that brings up a lot of nightmares for Maple Leaf fans. And, right. And yeah, I mean Devin Levi tweeted out before the tournament it's like this is not the first not the last you're going to hear from this kid and he's really raised his stock beyond what anyone thought possible and and I know going into the tournament some people were you've been talking about team Canada's potential weakness being in the crease right. just because of bringing a relatively unknown and someone yep. with so little international experience he turned that around and, oh turn that around <laughs> just like that and and, and you know it, one thing i noticed too which might have also maybe scared some scouts away we'll say uh last year was that he's relatively small for a goaltender. He's only six feet tall. You don't see a lot. I mean, a lot of times now you see guys 6'4", 6'5". Oh, yeah. The bigger, the better. The more net they cover. So it's great to see that he he's able to get around that. And, and, and good on Hockey Canada and Team Canada for taking a serious look at this guy, giving him a real opportunity. Because going into that tournament, he hadn't even played a college game yet. He was still, his most recent experience was playing Tier 2 Junior A. Mm-hmm. I, I couldn't name you one... One player I've seen play for Team Canada coming out of Tier 2 Junior. That's They're right. all coming out of Major Junior. They're all coming out of college. Some of them are coming down from the end and from the A. So it's it's Very super tough. impressive. It's an amazing story. And, and for I- the goaltender, Lesko, like, yeah, you might be able to crack a lineup because there's like 20 of them if you're a skater, forward or D. But to get in the goal, that makes it, in my opinion, even that much more impressive. Mm-hmm. All the goaltenders across the country – we want you to represent us. We want you to defend our crease. And did the other guy even see a minute of action? No, right? Like, Levi played every game. Yeah. And if you looked, if you saw him play last year, you saw him play. And if you looked at the the, the hardware he racked up, I mean, oh. he was the best goalie in junior hockey in Canada last year, hands down. And, you know, if you look at all that, what he did and, and how he carried Hockey East to the in his only previous international experience, he carried Hockey East all the way to the finals. Yeah, at the Junior A Championship, in, in right? Hockey East is usually not competitive in that tournament. It's usually Canada West. And they lost to Russia. And they lost to Russia. So that, that played win, a lot of those same guys. Exactly. That's what I was going to get at. And that win against Russia was, was obviously a special one for him personally. Um, yeah, you know what? I remember one game uh, specifically. I, I got the sheet handed to me, the lineup card and everything, and I flipped it over. And at one point in the season, he had a zero point something. Wow. It's like a 0.91 or something Goals like that. Goals against average, yeah. Either one 
or zero. Yeah. Like it, one, and it probably was off someone's arse and in, or some, like it didn't beat him cleanly. Did you ever see scouts there specifically to see him? Well, I mean, it's tough, right? Like, I mean, Lumber Kings, even though they haven't been fantastic, like they've still been getting seven, 800 fans in the building. So, I mean, like what am I going to do? Pick scan one the fa- you know, Where's I, you the know, guy with the clipboard? Yeah, I mean, I'm sure if I were to have looked, I bet you. But I'm hopeful, Lesko, that lots of people had a hockey TV subscription and maybe they <laughs> tuned in to our lovely broadcast, me and Rich Shap, you for a friend of the show. Yeah, I, I, it's a great story. And, and you know what, Team Canada, no reason to hang their heads. No. They played a wonderful tournament, you know, statistically one of the better Team Canada's we've seen. It's unfortunate it didn't go their way in the finals, but what that game came down to was just USA capitalizing their opportunities, and they couldn't. They had a couple of open nets. They hit a couple of posts. Uh, Bowen Byram did everything but score in that game. Mm-hmm. What a standout he was. Um, I, I'd be remiss if we didn't talk about him and the uh, what's coming down the pipeline for the Colorado Avalanche because I feel like they're going to be like Nashville of three years ago, mm-hmm. you know, where their D was mostly homegrown with the exception of Subban, um, and they were just elite. They elite, elite. Yeah. And Colorado is not far off because not only that, they have Justin Barron, who is another uh, player in that tournament. They had a U.S. player as well. Uh, coming up on the back end, and Connor Timmons, who played uh, for Team Canada, I believe, a year or two ago. Right, right. So that defense where you ha- already have Sam Gerrard, Kale McCarr. Oh, man. I mean, that defense is going to be unbelievable. So hats off to Joe Sack and the Colorado Avalanche because they seem to have teed up that team to stay competitive. And Byron will be seeing some time this year. I wouldn't be surprised because he looks... I'd be surprised if he doesn't. He looks like he has the poise and the intelligence to play at the top level. He's a man out there. Yeah. He, he looked like a man amongst boys a, a lot of times and a very well-rounded hockey player. Uh, plays physically, ha, you know, moves the puck well, skates well. Uh, just outstanding. That him and, him and Drysdale were a fantastic pairing for Team Canada throughout that tournament. Mm-hmm. And uh, I, I really enjoyed watching them. And it's, uh, you know, like I said, disappointing what happened, but no, no reason to hang their heads. And, it was one of those years where, I, I don't know, like, I find people get really worked up over the World Juniors. Like, I don't know if it's, if it's just the, the national pride and passion comes out, but a lot of times I get really mad or really stoked when they win, but I wasn't super disappointed just because of how, just how it went down. It, 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 like, they, you know, it's not that they didn't show up against the U.S. Had they not show up, I probably would have been furious. Well, you know? we're, we're losing 2 nothing, and it's almost over, and I get uh, one of my buddies... This is what you wanted, he says. (laughs) This is what you wanted, Coley. I said, listen, I didn't want them to lose. I said, I want it to be a good game. That's it. These things happen every single year. World Juniors, every year. Christmas, 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 World Juniors. Like, oh, no, we lost. Okay, well, fuck, we'll go back next year. And and we're, we're Canada. It's Canada. It's not like yeah. it's not like it's an NHL franchise and your window is open you and hit then the cap and everyone's yeah, gone. Yeah, yeah. Okay, it's going to happen every year. Yeah. I'll, I'll cheer and hope that we win next year, but I'm not that beat up over it right now. Like people crucify me because I consider myself to be more of a Leaf fan than I am a Team Canada fan, and I think that is by virtue of the fact that Canada is just so good. Okay. Yeah, and like the you Leafs said, have the, never been the interest good. level is not always there because they're winning preliminary round games eight nothing and things oh, like that. So it's hard yeah. to stay engaged. Whereas with the with an NHL team, my Leaf fandom, for example, like you're invested a whole season. I've invested my whole life, you know. But season by season, you're in there from game one to game yeah. fifty six or eighty two, and then you get the playoffs, and then it's a real emotional roller coaster in the playoffs. Four rounds of seven best of seven game series to try and win the Stanley Cup. Like I, I just find that 
that is much more of a emotional investment for me than the World Juniors is, as it relates to your point about people right. getting all upset. Now, that being said, I remember being in my early, mid-20s or whatever, I, however old I was, when Eberly scored and tie game, can you believe yes. it? Like, I, I was I was going crazy. It yeah. might as well have been a Leaf goal, but you know, there's I was younger. Be, you know? There's something to be said about that, too. I think my interest level was higher when the Leafs sucked. Yes. Because that was the only time you had a chance to win. Yes. You feel good, and you're all you and your buddies are on the same page, you and your Sens fans and your Hab, fa- Hab fan friends. You're all on the same page. You're all rooting for the same cause. You're high-fiving everyone. It was super excited. Yeah. And I, I felt like back then, too, when I was closer of age to those guys, you knew more of the players. You knew more of them. You, you'd heard of them. And mm-hmm. so you, it, there's a little bit more personal interest. Well, you I could think. also live vicariously through them at that age. <laughs> yeah. You know, you're 18, you're 17. Oh, oh, I, I can't, I can't wait break my neck I'd, I'd be there yeah yeah you're right Tom. you're right yeah yeah no, I think that there's something to be said for that. I think this year too with no other hockey going on that made it all that much better to watch I was yeah, off work very true I had nothing to do so I was watching three games a day batting and everything so I had a great experience watching a couple more guys I wanted to mention um we did go uh into Stutzla a little bit earlier but I did want to talk about his t- two line mates Florian Elias and JJ Paterka because those guys are no slouches either Mm-hmm. That line was one of the best lines in the tournament. All three of them, I believe, probably finished in top five in scoring. Um, Elias really stepped up because he was a relatively unknown, undrafted guy. Um, teams might be taking another look at him come this uh, uh, this upcoming draft. So he was draft eligible? He was draft eligible. He was passed over. So he's somebody who might get a little bit of attention because he replaced Reichel on that line. And Reichel was supposed to be – he was another guy, I believe, draft in the first round. Uh, Paterka, a high draft pick as well. So okay. the evolution of German hockey is coming, and, and it'll be on the backs of those guys. Now, the downside, obviously, of this World Juniors, the turnover, things changing every year, is that all these guys are probably gone next year. Right. And that they're back to being – a relegation team, we don't know. You know, hope something else is coming out the pipeline. Probably not another superstar, but this does help. To another ins- couple of years, maybe. Yeah, it helps to grow the program. It helps attention. I mean, you're getting the viewers. I mean, don't let's not forget that in the last Olympics, Germany was in the finals. Yes, and competed. They were. They deserved to be there. So. German hockey's he's coming up, and, and it's good to see. It's good to see more countries become competitive. I agree. You know, dude, I would really love to see. Like I, I, I mean, I don't want to go too much on this, but I'd like to see a different pool uh, format. You know, screw the standings and the relegation and all this stuff. Just put them, put them in by like geographical, you know, proximity with with one or two exceptions. Like for example, divisions. For example, bring Russia over. Canada, right. USA, Russia. Okay, that's in Division A, and Division B will feature Sweden, Finland, Austria. Uh, Switzerland and Germany or whatever, right? So you, you put them all over there, give us Russia and we'll take uh, whatever. I know, I'm, I know I'm listing too many teams, but I don't want to get too confusing here. But I just don't want to see those blowouts as yeah. much anymore. I think it would be really cool, for example, let's go if Austria faced off against Germany, mm-hmm. okay? Because geographically speaking, that's a great rival mm-hmm. right there. They're probably huge rivals in other sports, soccer, I'm sure, um, you know, and then you throw like a, a, a country like Switzerland into the mix. They're over there as well. I don't know how close it is. I'm not a, yeah. up to snuff on my geography, but, you know, just get the rivalries going uh, between countries that already have good rivalries and those games will be much more entertaining. They might yeah. be 8-7, not a great hockey game in terms of talent and great hockey plays, but it'll be friggin' exciting, man. 
and so will the games between Canada and USA and Russia, right? Yeah, I think that's, uh, there's a whole lot of debates to be had on that, and I know Gord Miller addressed it a little bit, talking about uh, how difficult it is to throw out seeding and, and change things, and it has to do with relegation and with the other tournaments, because he mentioned that, okay, this is one of, like, 50 tournaments That's they put right. on and in a save points, you know, if, say you moved it to the fall in order to have the qualifier line closer up to the world juniors, then you, you know, it's like, well, when do you do all the other tournaments in order to qualify for that? And yeah, it becomes yeah. a whole thing. Yeah. So I don't want to open. I won't get into that. Yeah, I don't want to open Pandora's box, um, but it, I'd like to see a lot of more, com- more competitive games in we, the prelims. We glossed over the fins pretty quickly, but, uh, due to the leaf connects on that team, I feel like we got to talk about it a little bit. Um, obviously, uh, Ronnie Hirvinen, uh, 23 seconds left in that thriller against the Swedes. Yeah, that was uh, sweet. Won me a couple bucks. I had the fins. Nice. Down to nothing. Absolute beauty win. Great Very hockey nice. game, too. Lot of sandpaper. Lot of scrumming after the whistle. Like that. That's a, one of the great rivalries in international hockey right there. Geographic and rival. And it just seems to get better every year. Yeah, you're so. right. Uh, the Leafs did draft him in the second round, number 50, uh, 59th overall. So uh, it was his first of the tournament, too, and it was just a, just a hell of a hockey game. Um, also, we got to talk about uh, Topi Nimala, who was named one of the best defensemen in the tournament. Um, that's, that's great news for Leaf fans, great news for Kyle Dubas. Uh, I mean, geez, another strong pick outside the first round, perhaps. They got him in the third round. That's pretty friggin' good to see him. Well, we'll see. I mean, but last it's year exciting. and last year, Rasmus Sandin, best defenseman in the tournament Agreed. this year. Yep, future's Nimala. looking bright. So, I mean, he, he put up great numbers. Yeah, he, he was involved on offense. I, oh, one of the knocks on him was I think he's, they considered him to be undersized for a defenseman. He's five eleven. Right, uh, that is undersized. Doesn't really show up in a in a junior tournament. We'll find out when he gets an opportunity at the North American Pro level, whenever that may be. Right, but it seems like. That's looking like a half decent pick so far. Absolutely, I mean it's really exciting for the future, and I I, I wanted to touch on it a little earlier. Um, you know the Battle of Ontario looking really good here in the future. Let's go finally, eh? and not only that, but the uh, what's it called uh, out in California? The freeway battle. Okay, the freeway battle between the L.A. Kings and the Anaheim Ducks is also going to be very strong in a few short years as well because I don't think you could drop the puck on the ice without a Duck or a King prospect. We joked about that with uh, when Tyler Madaraz was on the show with us uh, last episode. Uh, was that last episode? Were you going back-to-back guests? Yes. Oh, yeah, but it was before Christmas, before Christmas. right? It's been a while. What did yeah. you get for Christmas? Uh, clothes. Out of boy. Great. I, I'm bad for not buying myself clothes. I, so my Who buys themselves clothes? I know. My wife's like, well, what do you fuck? want for Christmas? I'm like, oh, I could use some new sweaters. <laughs> like, <laughs> it sounded lame, but I was like, I got a few new, nice new sweaters, got a nice new pair of Under Armour sweats. Like, 17 kit it out. pucks and deep hoodies. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> All different colors. All different colors. Nice. I'm, uh, I'm actually wearing my uh, gift from Santa. I uh, got a shiny new headset, just there like you yours. And I don't know if it's—I don't know if it's uh, going to make my voice sound any better or any worse. Maybe the listeners can chime in. But I'm pretty excited to not have to look like the hunchback of Notre Dame when I'm when I'm trying to hunch in there and, yeah. and speak into my microphone. This is fantastic. I definitely feel like gonna, I can do so many activities. Definitely going to reduce the back injuries on the podcast <laughs> and add some versatility. You can stand up, I, sit down, pace around a little. I think so. I think so. Listen, just a couple of uh, quick 
tidbits that breaking news from today uh, that I would like to touch on. First off, the Ontario government does confirm Leafs and Sens are going to be able to play in their home buildings. Great. I think that that was coming down the I pipe anyway. I think it anyway. was. They wouldn't have agreed to this Canadian division had they not known that because that would have threw a yeah. wrench in things. So where, where are they going to play? Hamilton or somewhere else? Like, yeah. What's the difference The logistics, you know, yeah, you're all right. All these players live downtown Toronto. They would have been furious. Yeah, yeah, And no not kidding. playing in your home barn and all that, like – I, I, I hate to take it to a completely different sport here, but the Raptors are one and six right now. Yeah. And they're playing in Tampa Bay. Yeah. And you got to think just a little bit of that is the. Oh, it has to be. Come on. Getting used to discomfort of not living at home, living in a hotel, playing in not your home barn where the it's amenities are the same. Where's the bathroom? Yeah, yeah. exactly. It, right. Where's the vending machine? I'm, I, I'm not going to blame all that on that because I've watched Raps play and they've not been good or anything. But yeah, uh, once you're on the floor, you're on the floor. But yeah. I hear you though. Uh, so that's great news. Um, I guess also the Alberta decision is still uh, un- still remains in the air. But again, uh, sources close to the scenario have confirmed that it's all but a matter of time, well, I guess. What's the harm? Honestly, what's the harm? And what's the delay? Like, Honestly, let's go like, if a thousand people can go to Costco at the same time, a hockey <laughs> team that's controlling. And so apparently part of the agreement is it's very strict rules. They go, they play, and they go home. That's it. Yes. And yeah. I think that is very important not only from a safety standpoint, obviously the reason why those rules are there, but from a team standpoint, it's going to make sure everyone's accountable off the ice this off season, you know, and you're going to be spending time with your teammates if you're spending time off the ice together. So I think it's going to create a good opportunity with some team bonding. I mean, we saw a picture of, of Austin Matthews hanging out with Joe Thornton and, and uh, Mac Hollowell and uh, a couple other lads there throughout the Christmas break. So mm-hmm. that's, that, that's cool to see. And, and I think I, I figured it was ine- inevitable that they were going to let this happen. But honestly, with all that's going on and all the other issues we have to worry about spreading this virus around, I'm not worried about an NHL hockey team with a professional medical t- uh, staff and their unlimited supply of tests yes. that they're yes. going to be a fucking spreading problem. Because even if there is an outbreak amongst a team, it gets contained right away and discovered right away. Yeah, just don't be like, don't be James Harden at the Peelers. Uh, yeah, yeah, don't go James. That guy is mailing it in so hard this year. <laughs> you see, like, I don't know if you saw any images of him when he came to camp to show up to camp late, like with a friggin' boiler on him. Too. Yeah, looked like a bag of milk out there. <laughs> a bag of milk. <laughs> nice. All right, listen. So the other, the other breaking news that I wanted to get to. Uh, isn't great news, unfortunately. Uh, and I just read this before you, uh, before, or before we were getting ready for the podcast here. Uh, Corey Crawford not reported to camp yet, so he's missed three days of official camp. Uh, the first two were deemed as maintenance days, um, which normally is reserved for like some sort of nagging injury or a stinger or something like that. Um, and then yesterday, as per coach, head coach Lindy Ruff, by the way, I didn't even fucking know that Lindy Ruff was coaching uh, there. Uh, so as of, as of, excuse me, yesterday, it was a personal day. So it's a difficult moment here. And Lindy Ruff, uh, Devils head coach, is uh, on record as saying, we will deal with it tomorrow. So I have seen a lot of speculation around on Twitter and on socials that it is actually looking like Corey Crawford might retire uh, from the NHL with uh, his multiple concussion issues and I believe some back issues as well. So we'll hope for the best on that one. But uh, hey, Mackenzie Blackwood, looks like you're up, chum. Yeah, and, and, and you know they're probably looking at splitting duties anyway because I know Blackwood kind of 
earned the reins there in New Jersey last season, and so it's a big opportunity for him. But very unfortunate kind of unceremonious end to what should be a Hall of Fame career, I mm-hmm. think, for Corey Crawford. And I, I did see Paul Mary's statement, I believe, on it today, um, just talking about you know family issues and decisions for him to make and so on and so forth. So it sounds like uh, there's a lot there's a lot at play here, maybe not just health related. And uh, so obviously wish the best to Corey Crawford. And uh, you know he's 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 a great, he's a great goaltender, very respectful guy from all we hear and know. So, uh, you know, we can only hope for the best for him and his family going forward. Yeah, absolutely. And it'll be interesting to see what the Devils, uh, you know, decide to do after they get some clarification uh, on the situation. So we'll have to follow that one uh, closely as well. So uh, what are you thinking, my friend? Is it about that time? You want to get Nick on or what yeah, are we thinking Yeah, here? I got a couple things here on Lesko's list for this week. Uh, that I wanted to shout out uh, to our listeners as something that they can check out. Okay. Uh, so the first thing is a little different. Uh, Michael Delzato, former NHLer, uh, he is doing something kind of cool. And what he's doing is a virtual hockey thing online where it's a, a basically a platform where there is uh, – uh, skills coaching and skills teaching and little programs and drills that he's putting in an online portal okay. called Virtual Hockey. You can check it out, virtualhockey.com. Um, it's really aimed at getting kids off the couch, off the video game console throughout the season. For, so for you parents out there whose kids' hockey's canceled or maybe you didn't want to enroll them this year because of all the bullshit, here's an opportunity for your kid if you know you want to give them some activities. It's um, you know it, it doesn't doesn't cost a whole hell of a lot, so might be something interesting for you to look into. And just a really neat idea and, mm-hmm. and a cool initiative. That sounds initiative. like a great idea. Yeah, get your kids off a of fucking war zone. They're beating me. Ah, yeah, they're, they're pro- killing me every time. I need to have some better uh, better chance out there. Oh, another one I want uh, people to check out. Um, we do have to say rest in peace to a legend, John Muckler. John Muckler, um, yes. I'm glad you brought that you up. You know, go back to the 80s Oilers, uh, 90s Rangers, and um, if you're local – Ottawa Senators. The I mean, thousands, put eh? the yeah. Ottawa Senators on the map. They were a perennial contender. The pizza line. Um, you know, just listen to the words Jason Spezza had to say about Muckler and his mm-hmm. impact and influence on Spezza's early career in Ottawa. But uh, Ian Mendez, actually, who uh, just took off from radio, is now covering the Ottawa Senators for the Athletics. So if you're a subscriber, uh, I highly recommend you check out Ian Mendez's Yeah, Mendez has great content. called Remembering John Muckler. Uh, and it really talks about his impact on the Ottawa centers and all the, all the bold moves he made in trades and, and how he brought that team to the verge of a cup uh, in the mid-2000s. So uh, definitely one worth checking out. And yeah, that's what I got for today. Okay, sounds good, buddy. Yeah, I'm glad you brought up John Muckler. I, I, you know, that's that's one of those things you said it before on the podcast. We'd be remiss if you didn't, you know, bring that up. Obviously, uh, it's important to pay respect to those who have had a, a massive impact on the game of hockey over the years. And I mean, that list is really substantial, Lesko. I mean, when you think about all the legends that do unfortunately pass away, you know, year by year, it seems that every year or every other year we're, we're losing an icon. Uh, from the game and it just goes to show you that it doesn't matter where you're from or what your background is you can you can really get somewhere and make an impact not only on a franchise or on a player but on the league as a whole and I think when we were reading a lot of those obits and a lot of opinions and statements on Muckler he's one of those guys that had an impact on the league as a whole and not just a guy like Jason Spezza but at the same time a guy like Jason Spezza is uh, probably going to dedicate part of his play 
to uh, to John Muckler, you know, uh, moving forward, hopefully for this season and really get some going here. Yeah, absolutely. And and talk about a guy who's had an impact just decades of 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 impacts and, and different generations of players all the way from Wayne Gretzky to, to Spezza and guy got modern players who are still playing. So it's, mm-hmm. it's, it was just really cool too. I mean, a quick search on Twitter or online will give you all kinds of great stories as well. A lot of players had a lot of cool things to say and a lot of neat little tidbits, journalists and all the like, um, obviously that much time in the game of hockey, you cross path, paths with a lot of people and, and you know, it's, it's great to see people like that celebrated. And, and sometimes you, us, maybe as younger people don't necessarily understand the impact that some of these older guys have in the game. They're just a face or a name I might remember mm-hmm. from my youth, so to speak. But, yeah. but it's just cool to read because you never really think about the little things that you don't see and the stories you don't hear that you, that do come out. Unfortunately, you know when these people pass, but uh, you know, a lot of, lots of great stories there, and, and a guy who's larger life as far as the game of hockey is concerned. Mm-hmm. All right, well, let's switch it over to fantasy here, uh, Lesko. We've got Nick Alberga on the line, friend of the show. The Golden uh, Muzzy. The Golden Muzzy. Find him on Twitter, at The Golden Muzzy. Nick is a uh, Sportsnet fantasy guru, uh, also the host of Lease Nation postgame show on uh, Toronto Radio, and also Coast to Coast with uh, Linda Cohen, which I believe is uh, Saturdays in the afternoon. Is that correct, Nick? Yeah, Saturdays, 4 to 6 p.m. Eastern time. It's great to be on with you guys. What's going on? Hey, not a whole lot, man. Thanks a lot for finding busy uh, finding time and your busy schedule here to join us, Nick. My goodness, you've been really doing the rounds here for your for your media hits, uh, all things fantasy. Yeah, I feel like I'm on like a political tour or something, <laughs> but uh, I put out the, uh, the Sportsnet Fantasy Hockey draft kit uh, the last couple weeks with a bunch of different things, YouTube videos and, and articles, and I'm just trying to promote the work because as you all know, we're all getting set for some fantasy drafts, The so next thing you know, puck drop. Uh, about what less than a week away now yeah and you and i actually are participating in a fantasy draft uh, this evening with uh, a few of your uh, co-workers and 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 co-people alike is there anyone else with a check mark in that pool or is it just yourself nick i don't know man (laughs) you know it's funny you say that because people always ask me like what's it feel like to be verified i won't lie it was one of the most gratifying days of my career which (laughs) is so petty and so stupid like i'm nobody but getting verified was just like it, I, I felt like I made it, not even like working with Brian Burke or working with Jeff Merrick or anybody yeah. else or, or Gord Stelic on Leafs Nation. Getting the blue check mark was everything for my life. It's weird. Uh, <laughs> Legitimacy. Ex- explain that to us, Nick. How, <laughs> how does one go about doing that? Like, are, Do you have to chase that down or does someone come to you and say, hey, man, you, you've reached the status. We'll let you into the boys club. Well, I think it's changed. Um, I, if I do remember correctly, I applied for it um, because I was just genuinely interested. I, I just think it, be, it brings a level of gratification and sort of um, legitimacy, maybe is the word I'm looking for when it comes to you know a follow on Twitter or who this personality is. And I just think in general, it just helps support and build your brand. Uh, but I do believe I applied and it took a while, but I think it's different now. Like last I heard... Um, they stopped accepting these, you know, requests. But I, I know the bigger entities, like even at Sportsnet, they put in a yearly request, uh, obviously, because they have people at Twitter that help them out. But um, outside of that, I think it's much harder to get verified now than it was, say, five years ago. So how many hits are you doing a day, uh, Nick? Because I, I see you everywhere, podcast, radio. <laughs> like how many hits are you doing a day right now? Because this is your bread and butter. You got, pot, you got fancy coming up. NHL season come up. I mean, it's a busy time of year for you right now. 
Well, it's the one thing, you know, I'll preface that question, and it's a really good question. I think it's the one thing for any young broadcasters listening out there, whether it be sports, news, anything. Um, I think you just have to have that go-getter mentality, you know, that, you know, the persistence has to be there, and I think you have to be open to pretty much anything. Like I, I went into this career saying I would say no to pretty much anything, and, and that holds true for requests. That's why I do a bunch of podcasts, and I do remember the days where I was, you know, that up and comer. I've been in plenty of podcasts where where people are just, uh, you know, starting college or in high school, prepping to to start a career potentially. I think there's just that level level of just knowing that I've been in those shoes that I want to help out and and, and pay it forward, so to speak. So that's why. Uh, you see me everywhere because I am everywhere, and I'm just promoting my brand. I think anytime, you know, I do a hit, whether it's fantasy or just normal hockey talk or or Leafs talk or whatever it is, I I think you just have to be consistent with the fact that it is your brand, and every time you do something, it's promoting your brand more and more. And who knows who's listening, right? Yeah. Um, but the last week or so, I've been pretty much everywhere in Canada, a couple spots in the states, and I'm promoting my uh, fantasy hockey draft kit. Yeah, I heard you on uh, a few times this week with uh, Jake and, and Boomer Gordon on, on SiriusXM NHL Network Radio Channel 91. Um, it's been uh, really interesting, Nick. And I also was uh, checking out your kit uh, as well over the, over the last couple of days. Um, really enjoyed those videos. R- my favorite part about the videos is the fact that in my keeper pool, which drafts next Tuesday, I might have a few questions for you uh, towards the end of the show here sure, on yeah. that one. But um, for my draft that drafts next Tuesday, I have, I believe I had a keeper from all of your positions. <laughs> all of okay. your all of your videos at least one of the players uh, in those videos i i had uh on my on my keeper team so i was like well if nick is ranking these guys in the top five then i'm looking pretty set here at all these different positions so i'm pretty pumped oh, that's about perfect that. that, that's perfect no it's funny you bring that up too because the last couple of years i've been doing more stuff for for Sportsnet and especially uh spearheading their fantasy hockey coverage it's just it's so much more interesting now doing the YouTube videos because the first thing they tell you when you ink on there, do not read the comments. And naturally, I'm just the person that has to read the comments. Oh, and you how would. many fan bases I pissed off in the last week is hilarious. <laughs> Namely, the folks in Boston. Uh, I have, well, I ordered it five players to avoid, but I understand why Sportsnet uh, voiced it as busts. Fantasy right. bus to avoid. Clicks. Yeah, exactly. Clickbait. That's all it's about. Impressions and all that. But I have a lot of people in Boston unhappy with me putting the name Patrice Bergeron on there. So I apologize to all the Bees fans out there. But Do you frankly, really, though? Not really. You know me. I was going to say, you know me by now. I really don't care what people think of me. No, right? no, absolutely so. not. Um, one thing I wanted to ask you as it relates to fantasy, Nick, uh, and obviously this year is a bit of a strange year. We're gearing up for our fantasy drafts right around the same time that we should be gearing up to determine if a team can come back in the second half of the season after a poor start or a poor first half. Um, when it relates to fantasy, I call it homework because it's what it is. I do a lot of homework myself. Uh, mm-hmm. I, fan- I-, I fancy myself as an old school guy. I got everything down on paper. You can you can hear it right here. Let's go <laughs> sees it in front of him. I Love got it. papers everywhere. Do you consider it to be work at all, Nick? Like, are there times when you're doing this where you're like, man, fuck, I'd just like to be asleep right now, but I'm here doing my fantasy work? Or do you really, really love it? No, that's another really, really good question. And I'll be honest, there are rough patches during the season. One of them after the trade deadline where my mind's like, screw this. I don't want to talk about hockey anymore. I don't want to think about hockey anymore. But, it, it, you know, it is an occupation. It is a job. And, you know, everybody, you know, people I've talked to in the past have said, well, you have the dream job for anybody, you know, 10 to 15. And I said, yeah, it, you know, t- to some extent it is. 
but I think you still have to remember there is some sort of level that it is still a job and you mm -hmm. have to fulfill duties, right? And with that, I have to be up to date on what's happening in the NHL world 24-7. For instance, I like to travel when the world isn't like this and I go away two, three times a year and I feel so naked, so lost when I'm, you know, say in, in the middle of Germany in Berlin or, you know, in Austria or, I, you know, I went to... Scandinavia a couple of years ago so I'm still glued to my phone over there waiting for transactions to happen it's just it, it's something you sign up for I think if you're following this league and want to be a part of this league in this type of nature you just have to be akin to that and that's why I think uh, the folks over at the three letter and Sportsnet and NHL Network and NHL Network Radio don't get enough credit for how truly difficult it is to cover an entire league yeah no kidding and you know you mentioned being away and, and not being able to necessarily be on top of things have you ever uh, you know in maybe maybe in recent years because I'd say you've you've probably propelled yourself uh, mm -hmm. you know forward quite a bit here and not not only with your knowledge but with your ability to be seen by more eyes and heard by mm -hmm. more ears uh, have you ever caught yourself uh, kind of being a stooge and not realizing that a guy was traded or he doesn't even play there anymore? Or do you make sure that you fact check yourself? I have really good long-term memory, if that makes sense. My short-term is junk, but when I see something, I remember it, especially when it comes to hockey. And then on top of that, because I do so much homework, like if I'm not watching hockey, I'm playing NHL on, on you know PS4, hopefully soon to be PS5. I'm looking at stats. I'm on cap friendly, so that keeps me up to date. Um, you know, a lot of my followers uh, on social media are hockey people as well. So normally, um, you know, s stuff has gone through the cracks, but it's like your fringe NHL or like who cares? Yeah. Uh, but I've noticed as the years have gone by, I really have you know put an emphasis on making sure I'm up to date, which again is very difficult because of all the movement we see even in these times, right? Well, it's really funny that you bring that you bring up video games because so I, I personally this is a conversation for another day, but I yeah. haven't I haven't purchased or played the NHL franchise since it became in my opinion garbage around 15 or 16 or so. You're right. But back in the day when it was in my opinion again at its height, probably around like 09 to mm -hmm. 12 were the, yeah. my favorite years. I played the game so often and I never played with the same team. I used to do the thing where I'd go from the alphabet down yeah. and, and play online versus play. And a few times I actually managed to to do it. I went alphabet top to bottom without losing a game in online versus play. It's a pretty good player. Uh, spent some time in the top 50 at one time too. Awesome. So it was a lot of fun. And I knew every player. Like I knew every player, I knew every name, I knew all the line combinations. My friends were like, you are a wealth of knowledge. Like, and that's kind of what almost directed me into the broadcasting field. Like mm -hmm. I, I really had dreams of being a play-by-play -play broadcaster. And I thought, yeah, I already know everyone's name and number. Put me in the booth right now and I could do it. But since I stopped playing those video games, my knowledge has definitely taken a hit. So I think that's a, a really interesting point that you bring up. Yeah, it really helps too. I mean, just re repetitions with anything in life, right? You know, the more that that's why I do a lot of these hits. The more I talk about hockey, the more refreshed I feel because, you know, even for instance, uh, for example, during the pandemic, we had that three, four month break. I came back and I felt like I didn't know to broadcast anymore. Like <laughs> I had been four months without a lease broadcast. I'm like, how do I even intro? How do I even throw to this? How do I throw to that? But that, but that's natural. I mean, everybody was feeling the same way. And yeah, it's been a crazy last 10, 11 months, but. Um, I, I think certainly repetition is the name of the game when you're trying to remember this name and that name. But I just think you can't put so much pressure on yourself if you're covering the sport or want to cover the sport in the future. 
I think you got to go with the flow and I think if you have it, you have it and you're going to find your way. And um, I just think persistence is the key, uh, you know, when it comes to that. Now, uh, to dive into a bit of fantasy here with you, Nick, um, one of the first things I did want to ask you, and I think is an always interesting uh, buy low kind of scenario in any fantasy league, really, and that's guys with new surroundings, guys who just got traded or signed in the offseason, maybe had a down year last year, but all of a sudden found himself on, you know, coming from a third line on another team to a first line power play time on another team. So who are a couple of those guys that might not have been on somebody's radar last year, but should be giving serious looks to this season? Yeah, I think automatically, you know, the name that comes to mind when you bring that conversation up is Taylor Hall, right? Like he goes, he goes from, you know, New Jersey to Arizona, didn't like the fits in either place from a fantasy perspective. And now he lands with the Buffalo Sabres, right? You put him on the top line with Jack Eichel. I love the value of Victor Olsson, who, by the way, is like a sleeper. Nobody really thinks about it, but the guy just produces. I, I, you know, from my opinion, Olsson should have been involved in the Calder conversation last year, but he got hurt. So he wasn't as a point producer. Uh, but, you know, Taylor Hall is probably the one guy that comes to mind for me off the top of guys who I think are just going to thrive. I know it's a one-year contract, but he's looking to get paid in big-time coin, uh, certainly looking at him. You know, he, I, I like to stress and, you know, put an emphasis on guys in, in contract years, right? Like Dougie Hamilton comes to mind with the Carolina Hurricanes. I like him quite a bit this year. Goaltending's really, really damn intriguing to me going into this fantasy season. Frederick Anderson with the Maple Leafs, uh, Jordan Bennington with the St. Louis Blues. How do they factor in? Then you, you take into account some RFAs. I think I, I love owning as many players as possible with motivation, whether it be contract or in Pierre-Luc Dubois' case. Like, I play well. I'm probably going to get traded. Ditto for Patrick Laine. I think mm-hmm. as a fantasy owner, you know, the key is to extract as much value as possible. So I think when you identify a file and say, hey, I'm thinking about drafting this guy. You, you think around the box a bit and say, you know, what does he check off? What is he striving for? And, and, and then on top of that, guys, as we know, this year will be unlike, hopefully, fingers crossed, any other, where it's just going to be strictly exclusive to interdivisional play, right? And, and that has a massive impact, I think, when it comes to the fantasy scope uh, this year. So it's going to be a lot different. I, I think you, you, you clearly look at the offseason movement. Even Jacob Markstrom is another guy who comes to mind. Uh, I like his fit in Calgary quite a bit just because I like the Flames finishing probably one to three, I would say, in the North Division this season. Yeah, you know, and you mentioned the strict interdivisional play. I've been doing my own homework, my own prep, not only for our draft that's up in 55 minutes. we got to get yeah. a move on here in the Pucks and Deep <laughs> podcast. But, uh, you know, I've been doing my own homework, and I feel like maybe I'm a little nervous that I'm going to pay too much attention to the interdraft. Oh, I don't want that guy because he's here. Or, or, or I want this guy so badly because he's in this division that I'm going to draft him way sooner than he should have. Like, I think you can make mistakes by getting a little too caught up in that. Yeah, and I think we've had also too much time um, between seasons that people are just putting too much thought in overthinking situations. Like I had a buddy message me today about Igor Shostorkin and say, you know what, I'm not that high. I'm not going to keep him in a keeper league. I'm like, you're crazy. I hon- honestly feel from a fantasy perspective, this is such a write-off season. There is, I have no clue what's going to happen uh, from COVID to everything else that's happening in this world that whatever, you know, you strive for the next season following that. So right. I-, I think you're totally right. When, when, when you look at the divisions – um, you know, I had a couple of people message me and say, hey, how much stock did you put into these new divisions? I'll be honest, like I was lukewarm on the idea. I, I still look at a player and say, hey, 
you know, if he's a good player, if he's good in fantasy, you know, good in, in, in contributing, I think he's going to get his points. I don't really care who he plays. That's the way I sit on it. Yeah, and, you know, um, throwing back to your videos, um, I, I liked how it was, first off, uh, kudos to you or to whomever uh, designed the format. I thought it was I thought it was real intriguing the way you could just kind of scroll down and catch the video real quick. I thought that was nice. Yeah. Um, one thing that I noticed, I was a little surprised that you didn't include the potential sophomore slump. Now, is that because you you might not believe in it as much this year? Because I know that you're a, a huge proponent of the uh, proverbial sophomore slump. Um, are there any names, uh, you know, guys like, I mean, I think guys like Makar and Hughes are a little bit removed from that conversation, but maybe not. Uh, but, you know, maybe a little bit more like Adam Fox, Dominic Kubelik, uh, you mentioned Olofsson, uh, Dennis the Menace, Gurionov, uh, and then in goal, you know, Elvis Merzlikens. Is there any players like that um, where you might want to, you know, be saying buyer beware on these guys. Yeah, and, and the draft kit seems to be the same way every year. I, I did sort of pitch them like that, but it has something to do with, uh, you know, what they want to put out there via Sportsnet. I think they have different people doing different things, and that was something I pushed for. Um, you know, with that in mind, uh, I am, you know, sort of a proponent in, in the sophomore slump, but more so for defensemen. So while you, you like to think I'm going to stay away from Hughes and McCarr, that's actually the case. Like, I... Uh, you know, for example, um, Kale McCarr, I traded him uh, a month and a half ago, one of my keeper leagues. I just think, I think you do the math and, you know, Thomas Shabbat's a name I like to bring up all the time. Wow. Shane Gossespierre. It is tough to replicate what you did in year one as a young defenseman in this league. Fact of the matter, it's just plain and simple a fact. Uh, I think, I think, you know, what's going to happen in Colorado when it comes to Kale McCarr? I think Bowen Byram is going to get his 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 game in there. I mean, the guy's an absolute stud. We saw it at the World Juniors, and I think he'll get some touches. And not to forget that coaches have had a lot of time to formulate a game plan. Kale McCarr was, you know, a rookie last year, as were this year. He's an all-star, and teams are formulating a game plan around him. And I think right. they're gonna they're gonna be better defensively against him. Now, when it comes to Quinn Hughes in Vancouver, I just I think it's fair to expect a bit of natural regression. Uh, I think. Um, the Canucks don't have as much depth as the rest of the country when you look uh, you know, specifically at that North Division. Um, you know, can JT Miller replicate what he did last year? I say no. Um, Elias Patterson, there's high expectation in Vancouver, and they didn't really add right outside of Nate Schmidt. Uh, the goaltending's a bit different with Markstrom uh, in Calgary and Braden Holpe into the mix. I just don't see Vancouver as a playoff team. And then ultimately, I look at offense. Who's going to provide the offense? Is there going to be a dip in production? I think there's a lot of different things that go into the formula as to why I, you know, I'm anticipating a bit of a dip for both McCarr and Quinn Hughes. But more times than not, if people play with me in fantasy hockey and keeper leagues, I normally sell if I have rooks, especially on the back end. So speaking of that trade, I don't want to put you on the spot. Just say if you don't, if you don't remember, but do you remember the trade? What did you get from McCarr in a keeper league? Uh, so I made this trade a month and a half ago. And the, granted, the rules are different for every keeper league. My, my mine's too extensive to go over. It'd take like thirty minutes. Uh, <laughs> but I, I traded. I think it was straight up for a second round pick, which with I, I believe thirteenth overall, fourteenth overall. But it's a point system. It, it's it's really really complicated. Okay. Uh, but I, I I got decent value. Um, you know, I had Makar. 
I'll put it this way. You can keep up to, to 15 points in this league, and I had Makar at three points, and it goes up every year by one point, so I probably wouldn't keep him at four points. So oh, I see. I have to weigh every option before I make the decision, but because I, I, I subscribe to this mentality, and I, I've done it time and time again, especially with rookies. I've traded a lot of rookies after year one. I felt comfortable doing it, and I, I, feel like, I felt like I got pretty decent value. Even if he rips it up this year, I'm okay with it. All right, well, good for you. I think you made a really good point, too, about those uh, rookie defensemen. I mean, um, just from a pure coaching standpoint, those guys kind of have longer leashes when it's like, okay, what's, what can this guy bring at the NHL level? How is he yeah. going to contribute? You know, Kale McCart running all over the ice, tons of ice time, lots of chances to score, power play time. But then in year two, they're like, all right, well, we want you to clean up your end of the mm -hmm. ice a little. We want you to be a little more yep. responsible. I mean, good example of that, Morgan Riley. We saw him tear it up one year and then exactly. quiet down the next because all of a sudden they're like, no, well, we want you to be the, the prototypical two-way defender because you're the guy on the Maple Leafs. We need you to play defense too, not just put up points. Yeah, that's exactly it. Like, you know, Thomas Shabbat, I think we all remember his rookie season, right? The guy was an apple tree, point, 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 point. It was like four-point night every night for Thomas Shabbat. But once there's that expectation, and that's why, you know, Rangers fans have been on me while I'm a bit, you know, not as bullish as other people in the New York Rangers this season because I think there's got to be some turbulent times. And that goes for, you know, personal fouls as well and players of that ilk. Like, I, I'm taking nothing away from Makar and Hughes. I, I think they're going to be exceptional defensemen for a long period of time, but I think there's going to be highs and there's going to be lows. So uh, I would not be shocked if those two have uh, you know, a couple struggles along the way this year. I wanted to switch it over to rankings, Nick. And you know, based on what I heard you say today on the, on the Point Show on SiriusXM, you're not going to necessarily mention all these other spots in their rankings because you're not getting paid to do so, right? So, mm -hmm. uh, yeah. But when you're doing your own rankings, how much stock, and I don't actually, stock is a bad word because I don't think you're looking at their rankings and saying, oh, you know, this guy or this gal has this player here, so yeah. I'm going to mimic that or something like that. But when you're, when you're doing your own ranking systems, are you looking at others just to see or do you do your own rankings first and then review in comparison to others no 1000 percent. and i have a really really strong relationship with the boys over at nhl.com pete jensen rob reese and company do an exceptional job and you know i i i think it's so subjective to come up with rankings that's why i sort of laughed in the uh, youtube um, comment section people just ripping on me like i understand that if you're going to put out lists and nobody's going to agree with you or very minimal people are going to agree and people are going to agree like i mean you're going to get both sides of, of the you know the the pie right um, you know, when I put my rankings out, I think they're, they're clearly calculated on expectations, my beliefs. Uh, you know, the formula for me, at least, is based around goals, assists, plus, minus, power play points, shots on goal, uh, penalty minutes for skaters, uh, and for goaltending wins, goals against average, save percentage, and shutouts. Uh, I know the, the guys at NHL.com do it a bit differently. They got hits uh, weighted in. Right. It, it depends on, you know, what you see. Like, I, I believe hits is now uh, a standard. Know, yeah, it's mm -hmm. it's a common thing. I still go with penalty minutes in my leagues. To each their own, right? Me everybody's too. In, everybody's in different fantasy leagues, right? And, mm -hmm. you know, I have a variety of factors that I look at. Line utilization, contract status, potential. Like, there's so many different factors that that go into account and I take into account while, while making these lists. Um, but, you know, I, I'll have a glance over uh, to see where a couple guys are. But I think if you notice with my lists and other people's lists, Yahoo, ESPN, um, mine are a lot different than everybody out there. I can, you know, be comfortable in saying that. I'll say that. I did notice that. And that's why I asked you the question, because I wanted to see if it, maybe it was something that you thought, okay, well, 
this is standard stuff. I kind of want to be outside the box. Or if it was just actually Nick Alberga's, you know, educated fantasy opinion, don't take this player here, even though everyone's got him at eight, I got him at 18, you know, not not just a couple spots later, but, you know, 10 or 11, another round. I have him in another round. I mean, that's significant. So I was, yeah, yeah, go ahead. No, I, I was just going to say, too, again, it's very, very subjective, um, not to toot my own horn. Like, even last season, uh, Connor Hellebuck, I was laughed at. You know, Steve Dangle, I love Steve Dangle, did a video laughing, you know, saying, I don't know, these are not my rankings, blah, blah, blah. Connor Hellebuck's number three ranked goalie in fantasy hockey for Nick Alberga. Again, these are Nick Alberga's rankings. And then, lo and behold, Connor Hellebuck wins the Vesna Trophy, right? <laughs> so, um, granted, I've been wrong a billion times, but there are sure. guys I, I feel confident in. You know, Jordan Minnington comes to mind. Frederick Anderson comes to mind. Hellebuck, you know, uh, I understood what he was in for last year with, with the Jets defensively and their changes to their back end. But I, I think there's just a lot of factors, and contract is among them. I look at a player's contract, for instance, Jeff Skinner. He had a tough first year, signs the mega deal. It happened. I think we do forget these dudes are human, and there's a lot of pressure. Like even Mitch Marner's a guy I think is going to destroy this league this year because the pressure's a bit off. Mm-hmm. Um, Jeff Skinner's a guy I think is an excellent bounce-back candidate because he can just get into his thing. You know, they got Taylor Hall. They got Eric Stahl. Nobody's thinking about Jeff Skinner, and that's the time for Jeff Skinner to to strike, right? So, again, there's just so many different factors that weigh into my decision, but I, I love these lists. I like that they're all different, quite frankly. Me too. Now, I want, one of the more interesting things going into uh, fantasy leagues, especially if you're in a keeper league, everyone's interested about the new rookie crop. Who's coming mm-hmm. in? Who should I look at? I, I'm actually making the transition from a keeper league into a head-to-head scenario, so maybe I'll, I'll get you to hone in from that perspective, but who are the rookies worth entertaining this year? Obviously, they're Frenier, but maybe some guys that uh, people might not be talking about as much. Yeah, so I put a list, as you guys know, as part of my uh, Sportsnet Fantasy Hockey Draft Kit, about te- uh, you know a list of top 10 rookies to target in your draft. And number one, I think you have to keep into account the age. You know, I always laugh at Artemi Panarin. It seems like he won the uh, the Calder Trophy when he was 45 years old, but that's, <laughs> that's the rules, right? Like Igor Shostorkin, while he played in the league last year a handful of games and was exceptional at that, 10-2-0 in the regular season, 2.56, a 9.32 in 12 appearances. It's just, you know, the guy's 25 already. This guy's an adult, man. He's not a kid. And that, I think, will factor in. I think the Rangers are a better team, so he's probably the number one guy I'm looking at. Um, you know, I wrote this in my piece. That I, you know, I do feel like strongly that the Calder Trophy could go through Broadway this year. If it's not just Jorkin, it could be Alexi Lafreniere. Granted, you look at the number one overall pick, and they were lucked into that pick, as we know, in, in that crazy lottery. But Lafreniere starting on the third line. So, again, it goes back to the conversation about line utilization. If he stays in the third line, he's going to have the Caco numbers and not so much the Lafreniere numbers we expected, right? So right. you got to keep that in mind. I, I really, really am bullish on Kirill Kaprizov with the Minnesota Wild. Uh, again, this is a guy with some pedigree, fifth-round pick in 2015, but he's 23, coming off a 33-goal season in the KHL. Granted, I totally understand um, you know, sometimes the translation isn't good for KHL players coming to the NHL, but I think it's going to be slightly different with Kaprizov, and I like his fit in that top six, specifically probably on a line with Kevin Fiala at some point in time. So I like Kaprizov high on my list. I think another guy to look at um, is Ilya Sorokin with the New York Islanders. Uh, you know, number one, that team is really good. Pains me to say that. Uh, number two, they're really, <laughs> really good defensively. Um, you know, everything they have there with their defensive strategy, their goalie coach, 
I think it's boding well for the fantasy file when it comes to Sorokin and the tandem he's going to start with, at least with Semyon Varlamov. And I think we could see some excellent early numbers and return there when it comes to Sorokin. Not to mention he's on a one-year contract, so he's looking for a mega deal as soon as the offseason. Then you get into sort of your more deep sleeper plays, right? Like Tim Stutzlow was outstanding at the World Junior. I think you know it's still fair to temper expectation when it comes to the player it is the Ottawa Senators, but I think he's going to be a fantasy contributor quicker than we think. Uh, you know, I think Quinn Byfield's probably a year or two away from being that legitimate fantasy piece, but he's going to be a really, really good player down the road. Uh, Bowen Byram, a guy I, worth taking a flyer on. Uh, Grigory Denisenko's in the top six right now for the Florida Panthers. If you look you know, hard enough, you will find guys, and not to mention Trevor Zegers. Uh, from all accounts, it sounds like he's going to start on that second line in Anaheim. Uh, with a pretty damn good player, a future Hall of Famer, and Ryan Getzlav. So I, I think I always like to approach every draft I'm in, keeper or not, and, and take a flyer, at least one flyer on a rookie, especially considering, guys, the way this league is going. It's a young man's game, so don't be shocked when a rookie comes out of nowhere or a rookie dominates in general this season. Yeah, and, and perfect segue. We talk about the young players. Let's talk about the old players a little bit, Nick. Um, you know, what What guys are, are striking you? you? You just mentioned Ryan Getzlaff. Um, he's, mm-hmm. he's an interesting player for me yeah. uh, personally as well. I, I don't know if I'm going to chase him at all, um, but, you know, at the same time, if he's there on my board and, and the time is right, then, then why not? So I kind of wanted to branch out a little bit for some veteran players, you know, guys like Getzlaff or a guy like Corey Perry uh, mm-hmm. in a new situation in Montreal, maybe, um, you know, a little bit about Anze Kopitar. Like, he continues to be fantasy relevant uh, later on into his career as well. Yeah, this year's fascinating to me, again, because of this condensed 56-game schedule, the baseball-style back-to-backs, uh, you know, the buffer zones in the schedule. It's just going to be something we really haven't seen ever in, in fantasy hockey, right? And I wonder if a lot of these guys could be subject to load management. There's a couple of those guys you you mentioned that are on, we think, non-playoff teams, although I think L.A. could be involved, at least in the conversation there in that West Division. There's three strong teams and uh, five that are not so much and will vie for that last playoff spot, in my opinion. But I think ultimately when you ask that question, I look to San Jose, I think you, you can extract some serious value out of both Brent Burns and Eric Carlson, um, you know, Burns uh, specifically in a league where you have shots on goal, the guys, have, you know, he, he's unbelievable when it comes to shots on goal. He's going to provide for you big time. I think he's just prone to have a bounce back season. You know, ditto for Eric Carlson, provided he can stay healthy. I do think there are some veteran guys who can still produce at that level. Like another guy who I you know, properly predicted and correctly predicted into the bubble uh, after a not so good first year in Dallas was Joe Pavelski. Like I like a bounce back there, and that will continue this year especially with Tyler Sagan on the shelf to start for the Dallas Stars. Sticking with Dallas, uh, Alex Radulov is a guy I actually have in my keeper league that uh, was you know, a top 80 guy last year, had a so-so year, banged up a bit, and, and really never recovered. I thought he was much better in the bubble. So I think you're right. I, you know, I, I think in that respect, you look at guys in the past who you know, have done it before and have the resume, and I, I think you know, it's a calculated expectation that we're going to see a bounce back of sorts. So there's definitely some vets I will be looking at in my drafts. Right on. Great intel, Nick. Uh, okay, last fantasy one here for you. Uh, Lesko's got a couple of questions on the uh, the good old Toronto Maple Leafs that he wants to sure. run by you before we let you go real quick. Um, it, this one is in relation to my pool. I mentioned earlier that I'm in a keeper league and I might have a question for you. So this is it. I want to know what you think about Patrick Line. And I don't like this has nothing to do with the draft that you and I are doing in 40 minutes. All right. <laughs> it's just strictly my own keeper pool because Patrick Line, I have it mocked 
Uh, and again, you know how it is, Nick. It's a keeper pool. Yes. So guys are going to draft accordingly. All right. It's not the same as just a regular straight draft every year. Okay. Mm-hmm. Um, you're going to draft according to positions that you need. Um, so I have it mocked where I'm going to have to potentially pass on line A at a time where I think maybe I should take them. What do you think? I'm a huge Patrick Liney guy. I have been since uh, you know he came into this league. Granted, I think we understand there is consistency issues with the player. I have him ranked 49 um, on my top 250 list, by the way. But it's tough to find elite goal scoring in this league. He has 108, 100, excuse me, and 38 goals in his first four NHL seasons. Uh, this guy can score 30 goals in his sleep, and I think just knowing that would would make it difficult for me, at least as a fantasy owner, to pass up Patrick Liney. 36, 44, 30, and then 28 and 68. I thought he was excellent in the bubble. I think you look at his point production overall last season, it's you know easy to forget and misconstrue because they only played 68 games. But he had 63 points in 68 games. You, you prorate that over an 82-game slate. He's probably finishing with the most points ever in a regular season for him. Before that, it was 70. So he had 63 and 68. You're looking at around 75 to 77 points for Patrick Laine. I think there's still further to go. Uh, you know, I think the Jets in general are a team that are going to score some goals this season, but they might type things up defensively a tad as well. But I think if you can get a guy, you know, especially where I have him slated in a draft that you know guaranteed he's going to in his in his what I guess you prorated about 20, 25 goals mm-hmm. in this you know 56 game slate, I, I think he'd be crazy to pass on Patrick Liney. I know there's the headaches. I know he wants out, but I think the player and the agent understand that the better I play. Uh, the better the offer will be for Winnipeg to accept to get me out of town, right? Yeah, very good point. And, and that is specifically why I asked you the question, because you know how it is with fantasy. Sometimes guys and gals are drafting a little bit too emotionally, you know, mm-hmm. and you, you got you to put that aside. Like for me, I had to choose between keeping Dreisaitl or keeping Matthews. That was my choice in, in our rules. I'm not going to bore you with them, but I had to choose. And it was, it was easy. Are you kidding me? Like you guys mm-hmm. are like, oh, you're going to drop Matthews? You're a big Leaf fan. Math- isn't he your favorite player? I'm like, yeah, but you know what else is my favorite player? Money. Your money. <laughs> and everyone else's money. I want yeah. it in my fucking pocket. So like yeah. I'm obviously going to keep Dreisaitl over Matthews, but, you know, it is what it is. So I was wondering specifically if you had any negative uh, aura uh, around the line A situation with with uh, how it's looking out there in Winnipeg. No, I know Boomer would talk some shit because Line A screwed him <laughs> over in, in the league a couple years ago, uh, a, a league that I won again, by the way. Again. Say it again. Yeah, I always win the league. Uh, but we stopped doing it, by the way. But no, I, again, I, I just, you know, it's similar to the conversation you can have at the top. And again, I fully respect the guys at NHL.com. They got Nathan McKinnon. But McDavid has the highest ceiling, right? I, I think you look at ceiling for goal scoring in this league. I think there's a short list, clearly, with Ovechkin, Pasternak, Austin Matthews. And I think right behind there in the next tier, if you will, or maybe even in the top tier, is Patrick Laine. Because we've seen him so score goals with relative ease in his first four years, again, passing on that and having it happen to you is just going to stink, especially the value you can find him at in your drafts. Let's not forget the last couple years, even before last Line was considered maybe a top 24, you know, top two round draft pick. So now the fact that he squeaked down to, you know, 50 to 60, you're looking at maybe round four or five. I, I think you have to go ahead and especially in a keeper, I think his best hockey is still ahead of him. Yeah, that, absolutely. And so I do want to shift gears here with you, Nick, and hammer yeah. out a little bit of Leafs content. Um, obviously, uh, 
very different situation for you covering the games and uh, you know doing the post game and all that. So I just ran right off the top, like what what is that going to look like for you this season? Are you at home? Are they still bringing you in studio? Yeah, so we had a, we actually had a phone call. Uh, we had a couple in the last couple of weeks, and we're actually doing the game on Saturday night. It's a uh, an intra squad game. Those are the best. So it'll be our first look at Jumbo Joe Thornton in a Maple Leaf number ninety seven jersey. All right, which be a lot of fun. all right. Yeah, it's going to be quite sexy. Uh, but you know, from my understanding, uh, Joe Bowen and Jim Ralph will be at the arena calling the games on the radio. Um, clearly, an empty arena. Uh, but we'll, we'll be we'll, we we were given the option either to go to the studio or do it from home. Gordon and I were both in agreement. The games that we have on Sportsnet Five Nine of the Fan, we'll do them uh, from One Mount Pleasant, the Rogers headquarters, the Rogers Rogers combine uh, compound, excuse me. And uh, the games where we just have post game, we'll do it from our respective uh, homes. And uh, yeah, it, you know, I've gotten used to it now because uh, Gordon and I worked together in the Stanley Cup playoffs as well. We did the conference finals and the Stanley Cup final. Um, I think, you know, we, we have that chemistry, so it's pretty simple not being able to see each other. That's been the biggest difference for me broadcasting and not being able to have eye contact with people. But uh, while it's going to be a bit different this time around, it sounds like they've made plans for us to actually be in person to do some of these broadcasts, which is great. Does that mean that you're going to have to finally cut that bird's nest up there, uh, Nick? Or nope. What? No, uh, you know, I, I love that I can go back to the excuse that the barbers are like, we're in lockdown here in Toronto. <laughs> Can't get right? it done, yeah. Yeah, it, again, I, I've got I've got nothing brewing TV-wise just yet. I've got the fantasy hockey show, but um, it looks much better when I get out of the shower and I can blow dry it, so I'm going gonna, I'm gonna <laughs> to stick with it. Might as well see what I have, you know, in the long hair. Right, right on. Now you mentioned Joe Thornton there. Obviously, uh, a lot of Leaf fans excited. We're excited. Um what do you think? I mean, I think a lot of us caught off a little bit off guard to see that their plan, apparently part of the selling point to get him there was, we're going to give you a shot with Austin Matthews and Mitch Meyer on the top line. Um, it, it seems to me like Keith wants to get the most out of the player and, and maybe start to put up a few more numbers than maybe we saw him get uh, in more of a depth role in San Jose. So I just tell us a little bit about how you feel how Thornton can contribute for the Maple Leafs this year, both on and off the ice, because I know – he brings a lot that is hard to encompass. Yeah, honestly, I don't put too much stock in, in where Joe Thornton is situated in the lineup right now, right? I think we do forget this day and age. Coaches make lineup changes every shift, it seems. They're jumbling something up, and and it holds true for, for Sheldon Keefe as well. So, you know, what is it to say that Joe Thornton could take the first shift of the season with Matthews and Marner, and next thing you know, Hyman's back with those two, yeah. right? So. I think we'll see a variety of different combos, quite frankly, from this Maple Leafs team, especially with the depth they seem to have accumulated up front, um, even guys in the taxi squad. I think they're going to find a way to filter these guys in and out of the lineup. And while they're not seeing it right now, I think load management could be a thing with Joe Thornton. He's over 40. Let's not forget. I mean, the dude's 41. I think you got to keep him as fresh as possible. And clearly, the, the Maple Leafs made this decision bringing in a, a Joe Thornton type. Granted, he hasn't won a cup, but he went to a cup final a couple years back with envisions of him helping out in the Stanley Cup playoffs. So I think they're going to be wise with the way they utilize him. Um, you know, I was very curious to see him maybe take some reps on PP1 with the big boys as well, with John Tavares, Matthews, Marner, Nylander. Potential certainly there. Mm-hmm. That makes um, more sense to me for sure. Yeah, like because yeah. he's, he's known as one of the best playmakers, uh, you know, in the last 20 years, the last two decades All at time. least. Yeah. All time. Uh, probably, exactly. Yeah. Like So I, I think we'll see a variety of different combinations, and I just think they're – there's tons of intangibles that Joe Thornton can bring to the table. So I, I thought at that value, 
you know, there was no losing in that situation. I, I just think it was a very you know, value-friendly deal. If it doesn't work out, quite frankly, you just move on, yeah, right? Yeah, who cares? That's right. Yeah. Um, my prediction on the Thornton to the top line, I didn't really uh, overreact too, too much about it. Uh, my initial mm -hmm. reaction was that Hyman would be back up there no later than the first commercial break uh, <laughs> of the first game. Um, I, I kind of have to wonder a little bit of a conspiracy, get your tinfoil hats out. But, yep. I mean, Hyman in a contract year is a really core piece guy that yeah. they definitely want to lock up. Um, selfishly, as a huge Hyman supporter from his rookie season, uh, I really want to see him stick around. you got to wonder if they're burying him down on the third line so that he doesn't go off uh, the charts and, and rack up the points and let his agent uh, negotiate a bigger contract. Well, let's not forget, he's been glued to Matthew's hip pretty mm -hmm. much since he entered the league, or they entered the league together. Yeah, I'm a conspiracy theorist. I've been saying this for a while too. Like, oh, yeah. uh, it didn't shock me at all when I saw Hyman off that line. But I think naturally, guys. I mean, we know what Zach Hyman is by now, right? 21 goals in 51 games last year, by far his best offensive uh, output in his career. In just 51 games, he scored that many goals. I, I think you know they're going to come in hot with a number, no doubt. But I think if he goes back to the standards of we think what he is this year, I think you know I think he'll be fair. I mean, he is a Toronto native, and we'll see how that contract plays out uh but i think he's honestly better suited in that third line role like you do eh? the way he, yeah i just i like the way he plays um you know I, I like the time and space he can open up for his line mates they can chip in offensively if you mm -hmm. put him with kerfoot and mckayev i just think in this day and age depth is so vital you're going to need off even if you have the guys they do in the top six you're going to need because what happened last year right they had the same type of players their bottom six while yeah. they had the good First week of the season, I really noticed Alex Kerfoot in the season opener. Then after that, it went off a cliff, right? Mm -hmm. So I think it's so, you know, as crazy it is to say with this team, especially four guys and 40 million bucks, they can produce all they want. But as we saw last year, if it dries up in the bottom six, you're finished. So I think that's the biggest key for this team is to extract some, some offense and some positive play down your lineup as much as it is the big boys in your top six. Yeah, I'm going to be paying really close attention to, to that uh, specifically. Um, I, I do believe, uh, in my opinion, I think that Hyman is to Matthews what Kunitz was to Crosby uh, mm. in, in their heydays. In the sense that, I'm not saying that Crosby needed Kunitz to be Crosby. I'm also not saying that Matthews needs Hyman to be Matthews. But at the same time, I think it's just a marriage that works so incredibly perfectly with Matthews's ability to read plays, be in the right area and count on his workhorse. Uh, number 11, going in there, taking on two opponents uh, in the corner and being able to win those puck battles. I think that is a huge contributing factor to why Matthews continues to be so lethal. And I'm going to be really, really interested to see if uh, eventually we, we revert back to what we've seen over the past couple of seasons. And you made a great yeah. point, too, about the bottom six there, Nick. Um, just mm. about them rounding it out. Instead of having the same type of players from top to bottom in the lineup, now you've got, you've got these more muck-and-grind type style players. So Hyman's not the only guy. You put him down on a third line, and it seems like they're almost going for a potential shutdown defensive mm -hmm. responsible line in that situation, which they didn't have last year at all. Yeah, my fascination too when we start this season, you know, early prognosis is like, okay, hey, we're going to see a lot of offense, especially with no training camp. But the fact that, you know, these coaches only have to game plan theoretically for six other teams, at least here in the North Division, seven other um, in the other three divisions, I think you'll get the book on players rather quickly. And I think, you know, even heard whispers earlier today 
that Austin Matthews could take some reps on the PK, which I'm fully behind. And I, I think to your point about Zach Hyman, uh, he's so responsible defensively. And I think in years past, that's why he was attached to the hip of Austin Matthews. Now you're hoping Matthews can sort of drive a line. You think Mitch Marner is going to be better this season. I think you just have the veteran presence and the wherewithal of a guy like Joe Thornton. And, and that's why you split these two up. But again, I, you know, they will play shifts together. You know, mark my words, there will be moments and times where Matthews, Marner, Hyman roll out there. Mm-hmm. You could see, you know, the first slump, right? It, it, they throw all the lines into a blender, and it's, you know, pretty possible that you'll see different variations of this lineup, pretty much the same, you know, par for the course around this league, right? Guaranteed. Well, listen, Nick, we're coming about that time here. The draft uh, board is, is nearly open here in about 10 minutes or so. So yeah. we'll, we'll let you go, man. And uh, once again, thanks a lot. Always a great time. Always a pleasure uh, having you on. Make sure uh, for the listeners out there, they follow Nick at the Golden Muzzy on Twitter. Uh, check him out on Sirius XM Radio on the weekends with Linda Cohen, 4 to 6. Uh, check his uh, Sportsnet Hockey Fantasy Kit on Sportsnet.ca. Uh, anything I'm missing, Nick? I understand you got a pretty big guest coming up if this weekend. If you can't weekend. find Nick Alberga, you ain't looking. <laughs> yeah, true enough. Yeah. No, isn't that hilarious, too, as we wrap up, that I had booked this uh, a couple days ago now, but Jared Porter, the GM of the New York Mets, who John Morosi hooked me up with, who had Morosi on the show a couple weeks ago to talk hockey, um, Jared uh, Porter is uh, best friends with Brooks Orpik. He's buddies with John Chica. He worked with John Chica. And uh, his first cousin, I believe, is Mike Sullivan, the head coach of the Pittsburgh Penguins. And we're having uh, Jared Porter on the show on Saturday off the heels of that blockbuster deal in Major League Baseball today. So I'm fired up about it. Yeah, no kidding, man. Well, that's great. Good for you. And hey, it's all about the people you know, right? And that's why we're bringing you on the show, Nick. Here, you're so- <laughs> you're someone that we know, right? We're so glad that's- you put yourself out there. <laughs> that spider we'll web. All- yeah, we'll take full advantage of you. <laughs> thanks, boys. I swipe right to you guys as well. Don't worry. <laughs> <laughs> no problem. All right. Well, thanks again, Nick Alberga, joining us here on Pucks and D Podcast. Good luck in the draft, Nick. We'll see you on the floor. Thanks, boys. Take care. See thanks, you, buddy. Nick. All right, well, Nick Alberga, as always, just bringing the heat. Guy knows a guy knows a lot. I mean, on it, I was chatting with him earlier today. I said, "Is it even going to be fun for you? Like, <laughs> you've been doing so many hits. I feel like you're almost annoyed." This at is this his point. element. It feels like. Yeah, it just right. feels like he he rolls like, and I, you probably did four hits today. For yeah. all we know, and and he he brings it every single time. And you know, I get this thing in my head sometimes where. I feel like I talked about something yesterday and I'm saying it to you on the show, for example, and I'm like, oh, did I already say this? Who did I already say this to? What does it matter? I said it to two people. It, you're, but, you're right you about know, that. Yeah, I, I, even you and I, when we have a conversation before the show, and, and it's funny because you'd think we'd talk a lot in between shows, but we don't. We don't. Because I'm afraid that we're going we're gonna to be like, oh, I already told Josh this and forget that I'm talking to the millions of listeners out there. It's so true. You. It's so true. And when, and when you do, like normally when, 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 well, when we're able to get together, uh, when you show up, it's always uh, we're always chit chatting before we actually get to the recording, and you know probably I, I swear to God every week or you're every like shut show, up I'm shut like up. shut up <laughs> let's let, stop talking right now let's just get the show on the road here man so that was great man uh, really really uh, it's our pleasure I another mean, really great is. episode another great episode another great guest things are rolling here on the Pucks in Deep podcast we're having fun. Uh, we don't care about lockdowns and pandemics. The show must go on. The, show the NHL go on. season is uh, what a week away. Six days, bro. I'm already. I'm ready. ready he says. <laughs> I don't know what we're gonna do. What do you want to do? I think we should. I think we should record post puck drop. Yeah, like maybe after game Thursday. one and overreact immensely to it. Thursday. Yeah. yeah. 
game one leaves game two or d the day after. Day two. That's right. Yeah, overreact to everything. Overreact Joel to Thornton's everything. Joel Thornton's getting 80 points. Joel Thornton's getting the Art Ross trophy. All right. <laughs> 06 Joel Thornton. Come right at you. I love it. All right. Well, that's it for another I'm episode. I'm so excited. Another it. Another episode of the Pucks and D podcast is a wrap, episode 74. Thanks again for joining us, and thanks again to Nick Alberga. Uh, make sure you guys are subscribing. Make sure you're supporting the podcast. Let us know. Uh, do you want to hear us uh, shoot the shit about some other teams that we haven't talked about in a while? It's up to you guys. You can drop us a line as well at realpuckpod at gmail.com. Find myself on Twitter at Coleman42. My co-host at Adam. And the puck drops in six days. Good luck in all your fantasy pools. I'll talk to you guys next week. Let's go!